once the site of the deadliest battle in the American Civil War, the Pennsylvanian town of Gettysburg is a symbol of its country's violent and divided history. But as partisan politics grows and sentiment swings further on both sides of the center, where does this most famous of battle sites position itself in the national conversation? You're listening to Tall Stories, a monocle production brought to you by the team behind The Urbanist. I'm Carlotta Rebello. In this episode, Chris Chermak explores the role that Gettysburg feels it has in addressing the United States' modern-day divisions. And he starts with a tour of the sacred battlefield. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war. Nearly every American will know this speech, the Gettysburg Address. Only about two minutes long, it's been recited countless times since Abraham Lincoln in 1863. You're hearing it here from Bob Steenstra. He's a tour guide at the battlefield of Gettysburg, the deadliest single battle of the American Civil War. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate. We cannot consecrate. We cannot hobble this ground. Steenstra recites the speech on the bus before we embark on a tour of the site where Lincoln gave his address. Though apparently there is some disagreement on the exact spot where he may have given it. But Christopher Oakley who's taking some computer-generated images and putting a lot of good detective work together, he thinks it was right by this rhododendron tree. And so the speaker's platform would have been across this way. Most of the people would have been out here. He would have been facing that. But he thinks right here by this tree. I visited Gettysburg last month for a national convention of a group called Braver Angels, which aims to bring conservatives and liberals together for dialogue. Bob Steenstra is not just a tour guide in Gettysburg and teacher, but he's a member of Braver Angels, which is why he volunteered to offer tours for the convention's delegates during their visit. After the tour, Steenstra, who is now retired and lives in a town near Gettysburg, tells me the matter is personal for him. Well, there's definitely a connection between 160 years ago and today, similarities, and that might be part of the reason for emotion. I, I honestly have friends that they don't understand me anymore, and I don't understand them anymore, so I, I see that divide. Um, in some cases, I haven't talked to a couple since COVID began, and I don't think we parted on bad ways, but maybe we did. Um, anyway, so that's part of the emotion. Part of the emotion is just it's a very human story. Gettysburg is, of course, the site of the deadliest battle of the U.S. Civil War, but it's also a town. Here too, Steenstra draws a parallel with today. It's kind of a town that really never thought anyone would be interested in it. Probably like a lot of Ukrainian towns right now. Um, All of a sudden they're visited with war. They're in their basements um, as the war passes over. Also like Ukrainian towns, a number of civilians from Gettysburg took up arms, including an African-American who risked being executed but decided to fight to keep their own freedom was worth the risk. Our guide, Bob Steenstra, is not the only one who sees the relevance of Gettysburg for the country today. I grew up outside of Gettysburg, and I always wanted to be mayor, since I was a little girl. This is Gettysburg's current mayor, Rita Freeling. 
She's the town's first African-American and first female mayor, though she says the history-making nature of her election was not part of her ambition as a young girl. I really didn't look at it that way until they put in a paper, Freeling and Carr make historic wins. I just felt it was something that was supposed to be mine, but yes, you're right. The role of mayor in such a small town is part-time and largely ceremonial. But then ceremony means something here in Gettysburg. Mayor Freeling says she makes sure to be visible around town, speaking at conventions, recognizing that her own presence represents change and helps to promote diversity. But I won by reaching across the aisle to Republicans, and I even had some Trumpers support me. The town of Gettysburg and the surrounding region of Pennsylvania are relatively conservative. Our tour of the battlefield is frequently disrupted by a group of motorcyclists. It happens to be bike week here in Gettysburg, and Harleys are roaming the city's streets and monuments and the hotel where I'm staying. Most of the motorcyclists, despite their noise, are relatively harmless. But Gettysburg and its monuments to the Confederacy have also drawn far-right protests. The shift was especially apparent starting in 2015, amid the national debate over whether Confederate monuments should be taken down. Though removing the historical battlefield monuments here in Gettysburg was never really in question, the town became something of a haven for supporters of the Confederacy. And that just really struck me. I thought, so here we are in Gettysburg, you know, the site of a decisive Union victory. It has really bothered me more and more that... Like, that message seemed to have gotten lost. This is Scott Hancock. He's a local professor of history and Africana studies at Gettysburg College. And if anything, it seemed like the Confederacy had won the battle, the cultural battle for hearts and minds, since the Battle of Gettysburg. Hancock and a few friends began a series of non-confrontational protests, appearing at gatherings of Confederate reenactments with signs depicting the history of slavery. In 2020... Around the same time as the far more infamous protests in Charlottesville, Virginia, a group of armed far-right protesters gathered here in Gettysburg, ironically enough at what's known as the Peace Light, a memorial on the battlefield that was dedicated on the 75th anniversary of the battle. Professor Hancock and a small group showed up to counter-protest with signs depicting facts about the Civil War. For example, that the General of the Confederate Army, Robert E. Lee, owned 189 slaves through his wife. That was a more confrontational and angry day. And I want to emphasize that this is my family and friends. We, we do this. It's a small group. It's where one of the things in 2020, people kept asking us, who's funding you? You know, who's behind this? It's like, just us. You know, we're just six people in sandals and water bottles. You know, there's no organization behind this. We made the signs the night before on our living room floor. Hancock says the goal of his protests is to ensure that the history of this battlefield is taught accurately, that the central goal of slavery in the conflict and the story of African Americans is preserved here in this town. The goal, he says, is also to spark a conversation. Which brings us back to Braver Angels, the group whose national convention had brought me to Gettysburg in the first place. Braver Angels hosts workshops and debates around the country between conservatives and liberals, or reds and blues as they're called. Its choice of Gettysburg College as the location of its national convention last month, on the 160th anniversary of the battle, had a clear purpose. 
It's interesting, when I told people that we were having our convention here, they instantly made the connection. This is Braver Angels co-founder and president, David Blankenhorn. They said, oh, what a powerful symbol to go to a place where we had, in some ways, the most decisive moment of our civil war to try to not have another one. You know, people instantly got the, the symbolism, the, the, the idea that a, a nation, if it goes so far down the road of, of rancor and hatred, this, this can be a result. Founded in the aftermath of Donald Trump's election, Braver Angels was initially called Better Angels, a direct reference to one of Abraham Lincoln's most famous lines, appealing to the, quote, better angels of our nature. To be dedicated here to the unfinished work, which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. Blankenhorn says he views Gettysburg as sacred ground and hopes to channel the temperament of Lincoln into his organization. That's precisely why, as Gettysburg Mayor Rita Freeling says, this town can hopefully set an example for the rest of the country. Well, that was another reason why I ran for mayor, because of how, and that's why I like this conference, how polarized our country is. And I was like, this isn't going to be Gettysburg. And I said, in Gettysburg, we're going to show how it's done. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Tall Stories is a monocle production from the team behind The Urbanist. This episode was written and edited by Chris Charmack and produced by David Stevens. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to receive new episodes every week. I'm Carlotta Rebello. Goodbye and thank you for listening, city lovers. Tall Stories.